0: You're listening to Thrive with Karina Grueling, a personal health and life design podcast for the modern everyday woman. Tune in and get inspired on how to thrive in your body and life. This is your host, Karina
1: Grueling. So welcome back, everyone. And today's show is very special for me because I have someone as a guest that helped me very much on healing several childhood traumas. And I'm also going to share a little bit with you some, some more personal information about my, my upbringing, about my life, in the hope that you can better understand how the work of Butcher, um, yeah, can can maybe even help you in overcoming um, certain experiences and traumas that you had in your childhood. So, welcome to the show, Pucha Lab, and uh, she's in Munich. And welcome here. I'm very, I'm feeling very honored to have you here today.
0: Hi, Karina. Welcome. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes.
1: So, for for some of you, uh, for some of my friends, of course, they know um, a little bit more about um, about my upbringing and um, about what I experienced in my childhood. But generally, I'm not, um, yeah, not uh, talking so much about it. But I think is, um, yeah, I want to share a little bit with you what I experienced, um, what were one of. Um, yeah, what were, let's say, the main circumstances I had in my childhood, in order that you can also then a little bit more relate to it and um, understand how, how, um, yeah, Pucha is working with that in her in her work in her retreats. Okay. So in my case, um, I was um, when I was born, my parents they were already part of a religious sect, and they are still in it today and my whole upbringing was really concentrated on yeah teaching me the values and beliefs of that sect making sure that i follow all of that and our whole life um, as a family was built around that that so yeah i was allowed to have friends only from that circle i never went to a kindergarten or took part in any event that was not part of this collective and yeah, we were also we were taught was what was good, what was bad. Yeah, what to think, what thoughts were were a sin. Yeah, and yeah, making people follow the rule by evoking also a lot of feelings of guilt. Yeah, and shame. That was a really a big part of it, and that was also really something that um, I took with me in my adulthood. So what I really remembered uh, from a very small age on is. That I felt very disconnected, like strange, like an overall really strange in myself. And when I was six years old, um, I went. I started going to school because homeschooling is not something that is allowed in Germany. And that was really the moment when I really started to have some yeah some more serious issues because I was not allowed to take part um, in many of the activities to attend any private. Gatherings of my classmates. I even had to explain in front of my classmates, yeah, what I'm believing um, and why I'm staying away from from all of these activities. And that was pretty, pretty tough as a child because for me, it was also super confusing why so many of their acts and activities were forbidden for me. And I was, yeah, often excluded, an outsider. I was being bullied, yeah, because um, everyone knew about my situation. yeah, I grew up in a small town. Everyone knew that my whole family, we were part of that collective. So that was kind of the framework I was growing up. But in our family itself, we also had, um, yeah, let's say, a lot of issues about um, violence, manipulation, um, also not um, being taken care of. And, um, that was, um, yeah, also when I was around 10 years old, I really experienced something that was, um, it was so traumatizing that I couldn't, I couldn't believe it really happened. And I also was not sure it really happened. Like it was really like for the next seven years, I was always asking myself if I just made it up in my mind. But when I was 17, um, the same thing happened again. And then I, I knew that it was not just something that um, that I just made up. So when that happened at the same time, um, my friend with whom I was hanging out every single day, since I was, I think, five or six years, she moved away. And she was kind of like, I was hanging out at her um, at her place all the time. She was also growing up in a pretty healthy family. So it was good for me to be there. And when she went, or, when she left it it really left a big void in my life, and um yeah, that I also couldn't really fill up after she left and then, two years later, when I was around twelve, um someone tried um to rape me. that person didn't succeed. I was super lucky to to get out of that without um without being raped but from that moment onwards i was really super super fucking scared that someone would try it again would succeed and this was really a fear that i was carrying around with me um until i met putra it was really like when i was walking on the streets when it was dark i was looking around for shadows um, I never took an elevator where there was just a man in there like it was um, when i when i when i went uh, when i left my parents house and i was living alone like the first thing i did when i got home was checking my apartment everywhere um if there is not someone in there so anxiety fear um the feeling of um yeah, not being worthy that was really something that I carried with me in my adulthood. And also my parents, like it doesn't like when I graduated um, or any event that is, let's say super important when you grow up, they were just not there. And also later when I moved away, they were, yeah, they were hardly ever visiting when my bo- my daughter was born. Like they were not there. It was just not, um, they were just not present in my life. And, yeah, I, I left my home when I was, my parents' house when I was 18. And then, yeah, in the next 20 years that followed, I I lived in more than 10 cities in six countries. And this was really because I felt so, um, yeah, I didn't feel rooted at all. And I was really searching, searching for communities, searching to belong somewhere, And it didn't matter where I was living. Like It's for me pretty easy to kind of um, settle in in a place. I think I also got a bit used to it, but um, I never could fill that void. And before I joined um, or before I started with Pucha's work, There was also, like, I did a lot of things, a lot of work, like with psychologists, with shamanic work, um, breath work, working with the chakras, yoga, meditation, and all of that helped me. All of that kind of helped me at one point, let's say I developed um, a routine, a daily routine, and um, also very healthy habits that helped me kind of to to feel better to um also to um, to overcome many physical problems that i had also to calm my mind to calm my emotions but it always i could really feel that there was still i never got so deep that i kind of like let's say i was able to control it and to better deal with all the things but it never kind of went away yeah so there were still times um whatever like uh, I opened the newspapers or I watched a film yeah I saw violence happening um or someone being um raped and this kind of just it brought all the traumas back and then for days on it was messing around with me so it kind of um, all the work I did at, uh, up to that point it helped me yeah to um, to, to, to control the things. And so that it, for example, not ended anymore in a panic attack, but it never, I could really feel it was still, it was always still part of me. Yeah. And um, I, I could even hardly talk about the things. It was too tough for me. And part of me was always feeling kind of a little bit dead, dead. Yeah, I I I, I remembered after the retreat, I said, "This dead part is not there anymore." It kind of um, it was yeah, like a dark, very dark energy, dark force that was pulling me down, and it came also uncontrolled. Sometimes came, some sometimes went away. So um, at one point, I realized that as long as I haven't kind of healed the first experience I made in in my life, yeah, was. And it was my first relationships with my parents, with my brothers. Um, I, I will still continue also to, um, to attract people in my life that I don't want to have in my life. Um, because it was really, sometimes I was really after all the work I had done, I was still attracting people in my life that, <laughs> that were remembering me of my father, of my mother. I was still having the same issues like I had with them. And, that was really uh, one thing. And also, I I felt always this. Um, I could see with people who grew, who grew up, let's say, like many of us grew up, let's say, in difficult families or in very unhealthy families. But some people really, they grow up in, let's say, pretty healthy families. This also exists. And I, uh, I could see that there was a huge difference. Like um, I, felt a, I felt also disadvantaged to these people. Because I could um, see that as I had, um, yeah, as I had, I, as I didn't experience many things in my upbringing, I just, I felt so incomplete. And then one day someone uh, walked into my practice in, in Paris, and she was one of my clients uh, for, for a couple of, um, for a longer time already and she was suffering of very uh, yeah very f- um, severe physical things yeah um a lot of autoimmune things yeah so when your body turns against you and we were working on these things but i also could see like in general i can see when people bring a lot of childhood traumas you can heal certain things up to a certain point, but it has its limitations, as long as you're not heal the childhood traumas. And she was doing so much better. And I was asking her what she did. And she told me about the childhood deconditioning retreat that she did. And she told me a little bit about what happened there, how she felt afterwards, how it changed so many things. And I said, yeah, you, you are going to give me that, that contact. And it was really immediately resonating with me because this was really what I I was always thinking of. How do I get to the very source of um, the issues that I was still experiencing? And this was how I found out about Poocher, about her work. And um, I booked um, a call with her. We talked and I, yeah, I think within 24 hours, I already said I sign up. And um, a couple of months later, I went to her retreat. And today she's here because we want to tell you more about her work, what she's doing. So I would like to know Poocher because when I met, let's say, healers um, or people that kind of moved a lot in their life, um, really helped a lot of people. They also had quite a journey behind them, so tell us a little bit about your life journey, your childhood, and
0: how you started doing this work.: Yes, first of all, thank you really for sharing so openly. yeah. Because, you know, whenever we carry trauma, the tendency is that those things are held in shame, right? Or, you know, we're hiding them so that you can speak so freely about, you know, your story, so to speak. Yeah, that takes a lot of courage. So, first of all, thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, so... um, To tell you a bit about myself, you know, I grew up in Germany, I'm born in 59, so I'm part of the baby boomer generation. And, you know, our parents, basically, they had been children during World War II. So for sure, you know, that whole generation was also carry a lot of trauma, you know, and usually, you know, that generation also never spoke about trauma. So, you know, I never really heard from my parents what actually happened during the war, you know, how it was for them. But that was just uh, the normal in those days. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up with, uh, you know, uh, a rousy middle-class family, and, um, you know, everything seemed fine, you know, we were ch- three children, my father was a CEO of a big company, you know, my mother was taking care of us, the children, so I would say it's a normal family, right? And, you know, I had a brother which was uh, just a year older than me. You know, my mom got pregnant immediately after she gave birth to him with me. So in a way, we grew up nearly a little bit like twins. And then when I was eight and he was nine, he had a terrible accident and he died during that accident. And that, of course, was such a huge trauma for the whole family. Right. So I would say, you know, that time, it just created a turning point in my life because already at such a young age, I was faced with death, losing somebody you really loved, you know, as I really deeply loved my brother. He was a very wild spirit and I was adoring him. And, you know, and at that time, uh, I mean, the pain was so intense. You know, I saw how much my parents were suffering, you know, of that loss. I think there's nothing worse than losing a child for a parent, right? So therefore, I felt like, wow, I cannot show my pain to them because they're already so loaded with their own pain. So, in a way, you know, I had to deal with it on my own. You know, like there was nobody I could really reach out to. Yeah. And that's exactly how trauma is defined, in a way. You don't have the ability to co-regulate with somebody. Let's say the parents or a friend or the relatives. You're more or less isolated with it. You have to deal with it on your own. And when you imagine, I mean, you have a daughter, right? You have a child. I mean, imagine a small child dealing with something so severe, with such a severe loss. You know, my brain, my whole psyche was not yet developed yet to deal with such an overwhelm. So, in that way, you know, that was a really big trauma. But I think it also kind of, you know, opened something in me to the bigger questions, you know, what is God? You know, what is life? What is death? All those big es- essential questions, which then, when I, you know, when I finished my high school, I went then to university and started to uh, study social psychology. Yeah. But at that time, you know, that was uh, at the end of the seventies, it was still the whole traditional psychotherapy. And for me already during my uh, studies, it became much clear to me that I was much more interested, let's say in holistic psychological health rather than just concentrating on emotional dysfunction in people. Right. So therefore during my studies already, I felt so much more drawn to the concept of the humanistic psychology, you know, which uh, is a very different approach as it claims that a human being can develop really true potential and experience life from a place of happiness, of wholeness, of creativity and fulfillment. Yeah, and... um so that and that movement actually started in the in the 60s, I think beginning of the sixties in America. Yeah. It was called the human potential movement. And it was something like a counter, you could say, rebellion against mainstream psychology and also organized religion. Yeah. So that was then also the time when I started to do my first workshops as a participant. At that time, you know, it was kind of gestalt therapy, encounter therapy, and already primal therapy. So, um, and that, of course, uh, was a very intense time. <laughs> yeah, I was very young. I was, I think, 19, at almost 20, when I started to do all this therapeutic work, you know, which were just a lot of expressing emotions through emotional release and not just talking about it, yeah? And then, but that... So I did that, but then it wasn't long before then the spiritual path knocked on my door, right? And um, and then my journey led me to India, where I met, you know, the contemporary Indian mystic Osho. And at that time, you know, already many Western psychologists had gathered around him. And, you know, with his support and his help and his guidance, we developed... Uh, you know, a way to work with people where we add meditation. So, the combination of Western psychology and Eastern approaches of meditation and self realization, you know, it was maybe the first time in history when they shook hands. So, in that way, I kind of, you know, you find it now everywhere, you know, mindfulness and therapy. But then in the late 70s, beginning of the 80s, nobody was doing that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and then for years and years and years and years, I was running primary treats. I was running a uh, primary treat, is basically uh, my main work. And primary, primary work, you know, it's based on uh, a psychotherapist. Uh, called Arthur Yanov, who in the 70s, basically was one of the first psychiatrists who actually included expressing emotion from childhood through the body and through emotion, not just doing talk therapy, which Mm -hmm. doesn't really reach the deeper layers of where wounds are stored. Yeah. Mm
1: Absolutely. And
0: then, of course, you know, the work has changed. And then during the 90s, a lot of the inner child work came basically from the States. I trained with a guy, John Pratchett, in the U.S. And then the last 15 years, of course, intensely the trauma work. Mm. So that's a bit my story in a nutshell. So I run retreats and I also run a private practice in downtown Munich where I see clients. Mm. Yes.
1: Thank you so much, Pucha. Also telling us about your, yeah, your um, experience as a child uh, with your brother. Thank you so much for sharing that, and yeah, also thank you for for taking this um, this journey in your life. Yeah, being open to to study um, also, yeah, in in the East um, to to offer today something that is really very holistic. Yeah? So. How do people know that, uh, that they have a childhood trauma?
0: Yes, that's, of course, a good question. <laughs> you know, um, it's different in each person. Uh, maybe first, you know, usually when we hear that word trauma, What what then comes to mind is you know let's say living in a in a disaster zone in a war zone incest rape terrible accidents these are all traumas of course yeah and we uh, label them as the big trauma. However, neuroscience has shown now that we all seem to suffer from trauma during our lives yeah, and. A lot of what happened during our childhood, you know, and you shared so openly about it, you know, has not been identified a trauma at all at that time. Yeah. So... All those things which happen in childhood, let's say a neglect of a child, yeah, or let's say there was a lot of fighting going on in the family or the parents got divorced or you grow up with an emotional absent father. Maybe they took care in the most beautiful way on a practical level, but emotionally they were just very distant. Or maybe you had a mother who felt depressed, yeah, Or, you know, what I share, the death of a close one. And it could be even your pet, you know, you loved so deeply. And, you know, or you have been shamed, let's say, around sexuality or maybe had been made fun of or the family was in, let's say, financial stress. Yeah. All that basically creates a deep trauma in the mind of the developing child. So in a way, I don't think even with the best parents, you know, um, you can't be an adult uh, life today who hasn't experienced some kind of emotional pain from the, from the past, yeah? even with the best parents and their best intentions. Yeah, And we're not saying the parents are bad, but what we're saying mm-hmm. is, you know, they probably have been so loaded by their own past and they carry so many unprocessed emotions from mm-hmm. their own past. And that created a shadow part in them. You know, everything mm-hmm. was had been pushed into their own unconscious mind.
1: Mm-hmm. And from
0: that place, you know, we get affected as children. Mm-hmm. I mean, children,
1: they feel everything. Everything,
0: everything, Everything, you know, absolutely clear, you know, basically, I would say, you know, how it shows as an uh, adult is, let's say, whenever you're not in a optimal state, let's say, mentally, physically, emotionally, also spiritually, there must be some unprocessed emotional trauma underneath. Yeah. And, you know, you already mentioned a few things. Developing a hypervigilance, you know, that means you never feel safe. Mm. Trauma has a lot to do with you lost safety. Mm. You don't feel safe and you feel overwhelmed by what is happening and therefore very helpless, you know. So whenever we feel, we always have to kind of screen the scene where does the next danger come from right mm. or you suffer of anxiety attacks or depression or you can't really move forward in your life or you're always procrastinating or you have a lot uh, a sense of being resentful towards people or towards life you know mm. or you have a very low self esteem or you know you cannot reach your goals panic attacks, you know, sleeping disorders on a physical level. It can show a lot of headaches, you know, heart diseases, high blood pressure, you know, or a sense of not being able to trust life and people. These are mm. all signs of trauma, so to speak.
1: know, mm. mm. when you don't go with the flow of life and yeah, that what you mentioned, um, this is super, super important. I think for our listeners to understand that your body, your mind, your emotions, all of that is interconnected. So this means um, because uh, I had so, so many physical problems, so many, and I could really sometimes feel when the trauma was popping up, it was just messing around with my physical health, with my energy. Sometimes I was just super low in energy. I couldn't explain why, but it was really like it was consuming me from the inside. So... um, yeah when we want also to exp- to to work on certain or when we want to heal certain diseases autoimmune disorders we really have to look what hasn't been digested what hasn't been healed from our childhood yeah it, it, normally my experience you can also say yours but it starts somewhere in the childhood because this also then it starts there and then you trust attract the same or similar kind of situations over and over again until you clear that what happened in the yeah. early years.
0: Yes, very, 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 very true. You know, I always say the childhood, it sets something like your emotional DNA, so to speak. Mm. Yeah. And you know, and um you know the way your life develops emotionally relationally sexually professionally you know it's deeply deeply influenced by what happened during childhood and mm. so that way it really uh, influences all our actions you know mm. basically in our adult life and you especially find it in the ways where you feel challenged in life you know, We all seem to have areas in life, you know, where we struggle, right? Could mm-hmm. be emotionally, could be sexually, could be relationally, you know, physically, yeah? And this is, you know, wherever we struggle, this is where we find trauma. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the effect it has on the body, huge, you know? I think trauma, unresolved trauma is the number one killer in people's life, you yes. know, physically, Mm. So there is this great work of Dr. Gabo Matei, when the body says no, you might know that book.
1: It's amazing. Oh,
0: it's amazing. Yes. Okay. yes. And even
1: also our listeners, you can find on YouTube a video. Um about that he gives a little let's say introduction into his work he's amazing the guy is amazing
0: yes yes you know but he clearly also says you know the normal medical system they don't even know what trauma is and then you know when somebody comes with constant headaches and you don't find anything physically wrong they don't have the idea to maybe dig a bit deeper what happened in their childhood maybe there's so much pressure which gives you this Mm-hmm. Ongoing addicts, you know, they yeah. don't really consider trauma yet. However, it seems like you know, it starts to hit the mainstream now mm-hmm. how much people are actually traumatized and to acknowledge that people are traumatized. Before it wasn't even acknowledged. Mm-hmm. So I'm very happy about that because you know I work with trauma since 35 years. We didn't call it trauma then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's only now that it gets acknowledged how um, basically individually we are traumatized and also how as a whole society we seem to be traumatized, right? Mm. You know?
1: Yeah, we also have now these generational traumas. We also worked with that a little bit in your retreat, uh, which I find also super, super important because yeah. it often goes from generation to generation.
0: Exactly.
1: exactly. And, um, so... Like you already mentioned, like when we experience trauma at that very moment, it's just too much to deal with. So we kind of, we just, yeah, we suppress it. We just put it somewhere because it's just too much pain that we couldn't experience. We wouldn't be able to experience at that very moment. So what happens in the brain when trauma is happening?
0: Basically, you know, to put it very simply, I'm not a neuroscientist, and but what happens in the brain is, you know, when you activate it with something which is emotionally or physically just overwhelming, your whole system switches to the fight-flight mode. Hmm. Yeah, this is fight-flight or freeze mode. Yeah, mm-hmm. so there is something like an alarm in your brain. This is not safe here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And usually it's triggered in our feeling brain and the stem brain is part of that. And especially the amygdala, mm-hmm. you know, which is the kind of fire alarm in our brain, you know, and then the body, of course, basically releases all these stress hormones in order to be ready to face danger. Yeah. So, in a moment of trauma, you basically flooded with all those stress hormones—cortisol, adrenaline—to yeah? mm-hmm. make you fight, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, what happens? You know, when we were not able to uh, digest trauma as a child, those uh, processes in the brain they continue. That means at some point your whole amygdala seems to be always flooded with stress hormones, even when there is no obvious danger. Let's put mm-hmm. it like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And it's then, good. of course, if you have this overactivated nervous system, especially your limbic system brain, you know, this is when you then st- Show all the signs of what I spoke about before. You know, restlessness. You're angry. You're feeling agitated, irritable, or you crash in a depression, or you have panic attacks. That means you know your limbic system, your feeling brain, amygdala, is part of this, is overactivated the whole time, and your mm-hmm. nervous system can't regulate anymore into you know basis switching bad in the parasympathetic mode, which means yes. relaxation. I'm not in danger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so in a way um you know our nervous system has this amazing ability to to regulate stress let's say you know let's say as a child um, you fall down i mean kids do that all the time they hurt mm-hmm. knees, let's say you know and that is a shock for the child and the child is in pain so now if mother is there and let's say you know takes the child on her lap and tells them, yes, I understand, this is hurting, I'm here with you, you know, you're safe. Then the child can actually process that trauma, so to speak, and the nervous system can regulate mm-hmm. and back this- to normal again mm-hmm. once it's, it's over. Hmm. however let's say sorry however let's say if the child falls down the mother just says ah this is nothing don't cry come on don't be such a pussy you know then the child basically has to repress all those emotions and feelings you know and store them in the brain and therefore also into the body Hmm. but actually we are made as a human being we are made of being able to process emotions deeply and then it can be quite fast and it mm-hmm. doesn't create really a hangover
1: mm. yeah. yeah that what you say now uh, so important um to validate no, how someone is feeling and i mean this was really what i experienced during your your retreat that was so healing for me because everything i felt was just validated and it was okay and um, how you always said the, the feeling is a healing now yes. in the whole process yes. this always stayed with me <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's so wonderful. Yeah, the feeling is a healing. Because that's exactly how we understand trauma now. We were not known for who we are. We were not seen. We were not heard. We were not validated. You know, this is what creates trauma for the child. Hmm. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, we already um, talked about that. But let's let's say, for example, relationships, because this is such a big part of our life. When we have unprocessed traumas, how does it show up in our relationships?
0: Well, of course, relationship is a huge area where trauma shows up (laughs) because, you know, whenever we get so triggered in, you know, not having our needs fulfilled, this is where you find trauma. But that's exactly also how we define emotional pain in, in, in the primal work is and the trauma work is, you know, whenever a need of the child for being seen, for acknowledged, being positive, mirrored is not fulfilled, you are in pain. And that pain then basically gets repressed. Yeah. But the pain is actually the pain of your unfulfilled needs. And this, of course, surfaces in a relationship big time. You know, we basically get triggered when we feel not understood, not seen, or when our needs are not fulfilled. And then, boom, that's where you find the hurt child. Mm, and then it's, it's like just the
1: old things get reactivated. Exactly. And this is also when we adults sometimes say, I don't know why I reacted that way. It just happened because you you can't control it anymore. It's just so deep down and someone just pulls the trigger and it comes out. <laughs>
0: That's exactly what happens, you know. Mm. You're triggered, let's say you're triggered in a wound of not being seen because Mm. the father just doesn't kind of uh, see you in that moment, you know. Mm. And uh, that's where you find that wound of the child not being seen. And that kicks in so automatically. And Mm. we cannot control it in that moment. Because whenever we experience old trigger, whenever we experience old trauma, there's nearly something like a shutdown to the neocortex, which is more the part of the brain, which is our adult brain, where we can differentiate, where we can basically, you know, find solutions. Then we are basically flooded with all the emotions stored in our limbic brain, in the feeling brain, and then we start acting out. Mm. Either by attacking back or basically, you know, we blame the other person or we just withdraw or, you know, we, we kind of uh, attack them verbally. You know, this is all triggers when mm. when we not, don't feel seen, heard and validated. So relationship is a huge area where our childhood wounds surface big mm. time. You know, because it's not just that men and women meet, each of them have a hurt child inside of them. And they also want to be seen yes. in their, you know, in their hurt child. So we're always dealing with four people here, so to speak. <laughs>
1: Yeah that's a good point that's true and um, I think uh, it's super important also like in relationships especially uh, when you're when we are in a couple that both people are really open you know, to to work on that and to acknowledge that because it's uh, what you already said it's really the place where it just comes out i mean everything that you sometimes manage just to let's say to 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 keep under control in your everyday life I mean in your in your couple's life it just it's just not possible it just will show up no? and uh, wants to be seen and wants to be healed so we you already gave some insights how you work but let's say how can someone let's say someone um calls you tomorrow says hey want to talk with you about what I experienced in my childhood i want I want to work on that how can how's that happening
0: okay. 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 Now, as I said, you know, the childhood experience become the driving force behind the way we live as adults and uh, really the root cause of so many issues. So when a person basically, you know, comes and usually they come because they have some relationship issues or they feel, you know, they're not really living their purpose in life or they suffer of some panic or some anxiety attacks, yeah, and so on. So basically, you know, um, the first step is always to validate what happens, You know, let's say, um, you know, if somebody suffers of anxiety, the first step would be to say, yes, anxiety, I see you. Not trying to push those emotions away, but just do the contrary, you know, inviting those feelings, inviting those emotions, basically to come back to your life and really inquire on them. Where does it come from? Because the first step is always, you know, you need to um, acknowledge what happened in your childhood. Because many people, you know, I have people coming sometimes also to my private practice, let's say, you know, they're super successful in their professional life, but let's say they never be able to maintain a healthy relationship or they're always stuck with unemotional partners or you know they suffer of depression and then they still tell me I had a wonderful childhood Mm. so sometimes we also need to come out of our denial about how things have been Mm. you know and we all glorify the parents it's an inbuilt mechanism in us we have to otherwise we can't attach ourselves to them in a secure way as children yeah Mm. but each person has good parts and not so good parts, right? And this has a clear impact on us. So first you need to make it clear what really happened. What is the unfinished business you carry here with mother and father inside of you? Mm. So that's the first step in the process, you know, creating awareness about it. As Krishnamurti already said, the seeing is the doing. Mm. Yes. And then basically the second part is, You want to help people to process their unprocessed emotions, so to speak. So for some people, it might be they have to really feel the grief they carry in there. You know, in my case, when that happened with my brother, uh, I was so full of grief, so Mm. full of grief. And then I was lucky when I was uh, at the age of 16, I found a really good therapist, you know, just by craze. I ended up with really, even now, after all those years, I would say he was a brilliant therapist. And all he did for two years was allowing me to cry and cry and cry. And I would just sit sometimes for hour. I would just cry through. Mm. And all he did was holding me. And processing yeah. that grief with me, yeah. this is where it comes in. The feeling is the healing, you know. You yeah. cannot just talk about it. it; doesn't reach the deeper layers of where trauma is stored. And trauma is stored in your feeling brain. Yeah. Right. So then you basically help people to go to release those emotions. Or for some people, they need to express their anger in a very safe space, of course. You know, this always means, you know, those feelings need to be expressed in a safe environment. But for people to be able to express those emotions, they first also need to feel safe with you as a therapist. Mm -hmm. So So if they don't feel safe with you, they will not open up. This is very simple. People can't feel when they don't feel safe. So you work on safety. You work on understanding what happened. Then you guide them through a process through releasing those emotions. And the good thing is, you know, as I said before, we as human beings, we are built off processing emotions because sometimes people say, oh, my God, if I open up to my pain, I will never stop crying, for example. No, you will Mm -hmm. stop. Mm. It's the body's ability to process emotions. And whenever we deeply, deeply process emotion, it creates a completion inside of us. And it brings us so much more in a state of, you know, resting inside, feeling connected with ourselves, feeling connected with what surrounds you. Yeah. So we need to process all those unprocessed feelings. That's what I'm saying. And it's unfortunately, first of all, there's no way around. You know, it's a lot of spiritual bypassing in communities. Sometimes, you know, we are just in the love light and we deny mm-hmm. all the dark feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, this work is basically zero spiritual bypassing. Yes, that's true. Yeah, it's showing but, yourself. You know, there is it's no sure. hiding. There is no hiding in what you need to feel. Mm-hmm. But it's always done, you know, in a super space, a super safe space and with lots of support for people. Mm-hmm. And then from that place, you know, after people are really processing their emotions, which is also, a, you know, a process of letting go, you then basically can also much more connect with this adult energy you are today, you know, which is then more related to a neocortex part of the brain, where you can make change in your life, where you can empower your life, where you can make good decisions in your life. Yeah. You know? So it's a beautiful um, work, actually. You know, I feel so passionate about as I have doing it for 35 years. Yeah. But it's just so rewarding to see people healing. And it's a process. I never tell anybody it's a quick fix. You know, what tells you it's a quick fix. I don't think it's true. You know, by now I even think we have to create a trauma-informed daily lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what brings us healing. I would say millimeter by millimeter, that's the speed we heal. Yeah, that's really Mm the yeah. It's a
1: lifelong thing to Mm -hmm. do. Yeah, this is, um like I always say, it's a Kaizen approach. I work with that in my programs where you go, like you do very small, continuous improvements every single day, but that's really what um, brings a change in the long run and also very consistent change. And um, that what also, yeah, some people do today, you know, like go on an intensive weekend and then hoping um, to get. To get um, the trauma out of their body within two days, it's just um, I find on the one side dangerous, but it's also yeah, it's, it's not um, often not work like it's not working. No,
0: so um, work. because you know I feel like um, you know childhood trauma or overwhelming childhood, it creates certain fragilities in us and scars, and it creates uh, creates an unflexible nervous system. And that just needs time. And you you might have to deal with certain issues your whole life. Yeah, but you then more, you develop at the same time, so much more resiliency that you handle those challenging times in your life or moments. Yeah, Yeah, and also they get really, for
1: example, let's say the the self-birth is something I'm still working on that. Yeah, but it has a completely different level than it had before. So um, it's also with everything that we process. Um, kind of, you have different layers and you have um, different levels, and it just becomes lighter with with time. Mm-hmm. And um, and also once you make that experience that um, when you just go through the feeling, and then you feel so much better afterwards. It kind of, uh, you also want to go there. Yeah. You want to do the work because you know what will happen later. And um, that what, yeah, today I think many people, they they have, they're so scared of going uh, to that place and processing that. So they think it's easier to handle just to leave it all closed up. Um, but which is, yeah, not the case because, um, then you, you, you take, you do decisions, you take decisions, you say things to people, you act in ways that you really, really deeply re- regret later because uh, you didn't process what happened um, earlier in your life. So. I remember when we, when I came to the retreat, um, like I want to, to talk with you a little bit about the mindset that people need to bring if they really want to see something changing for the better in their life. And I think the first day, I think we, you talked a little bit about being all in. Yeah. So giving it all when, when we are doing the work. So yeah, just, um, Tell us a little bit about that. It's like it's also about, I think, taking yeah, 100 respo- uh, 100% responsibility no? of, our, of ourselves. But what, what for a mindset does someone need to bring if they want to successfully work with you together?
0: Yes, yes. You know, uh, the first step is always, you know, I always do an interview with a person I work with, you know, doesn't matter if it's for the retreat or if it's for one, one work, just to make sure it's a good fit on both sides. Yeah. That's a first step, you know. As I said, you know, you want to feel safe with the person you do that work. Yeah. And of course, you know, when you do that work, you need lots of courage because there's no place no place to hide anymore. And we do that work. So you want to come from that place. Yes, you know. I want to feel it. What keeps me so caught up? You know? And you want to have a certain passion saying, okay, this time I'm gonna feel it, I'm not gonna run away. I'm done with all my kind of survival strategies, which anyway never work. Yeah. So you wanna arrive in a place where you say, okay, I want to have a deeper look why I do things the way I do, you know, why can't I trust people? Why is it I always seem like uh, you know, I'm not going for what I really want yeah so in a way you also want to be a bit fed up with your own behavior here you know and your whole own limitations you have and um, you know and you need to bring a kind of willingness to feel and explore and go deep yeah that's for sure what you need because um, as I said when we do this work you don't want to just stay stuck in hiding then why do it in the first place Mm. Yeah, You need to be committed to to the work because, you know, it is challenging to do this work. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, um, and it's a long road towards healing, I always say. Mm. So it's not just a walk in a park because uh, basically you are confronted with, you know, with emotions in you which rather not feel or see or process. Yeah. But they are anyway there. You know, as Sigmund Freud actually said, you know, repressed emotions will never go away. They just come forward in more ugly ways when you're an adult. Mm.
1: Yeah. And yeah, they get a different, different face. Yes. Mm.
0: So basic people who are committed to change, who really wanna basically dive deep. Yeah. Mm. That's the people I would say, you know, I'm happy to work with. Mm -hmm. And, of course, also to bring, you know, also a responsibility. It's not that you can come, you know, to the therapist and then just expect, oh, you do the work on me. No, you know, you also have to work (laughs) in the sense of you get uh, assignments in between sessions, you know, Mm -hmm. so uh, in a process. And healing is possible. You know, I always say the good news is it is possible. The bad news is it takes time. Just simple.
1: Yeah, it takes time and yes. to, um, continuous effort
0: to do it, no. and not to give up on yourself. That's mm-hmm. what I say. is one of the most important. Mm-hmm. Never okay. ever give up on yourself. Mm.
1: Yeah, this was a, for me. It was a very wo- like a very wonderful experience during the retreat because at first it was a first time. That I shared everything about me. I remember like, um, in the end, you, you, we did kind of an exercise where everyone, like, not sure if I, if I'm allowed to, to share it, but it was about it. Let's put it in a different way. Um, you were asking if there are any secrets left. And I remember I was telling in the group I was in, I said, I have nothing left. Like I, I just put it all out there and it was. That was so good, like it was the first time first um that I opened up uh, that I shared so many things, like there were things I never told one single person,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then being held by the community, yeah, being completely safe, and th- the very good experience was also that i felt I felt very loved by everyone, mm-hmm. and that was a very good experience because before that i oh I always thought if anyone would see how broken i am on the inside like people would just um think oh my god like with her we don't want to have anything to do that was just my conviction i had wherever it came from is another story but um and that was so it was very healing for me to to share um we all um like we all showed our shown our raw side yeah like completely raw like uh, how we are, what we feel, what we experienced. Yeah. So, um, there was no makeup left. Mm-hmm. And, and also to, this was so powerful to do it in a community because it also gave you the strength to go further and further and further. And, um, yeah, all these, all these different, um, components, um, yeah, a super, super, super important, super, um, healing. And, um, yeah, thank you so much, Putter, that um, you are doing the work you do and also with the team that you are doing it uh, during the retreats. Um, yeah, I, um, I'm very grateful <laughs> that I came across you.
0: Thank you, Karina. Yeah, you said something very important, you know, what I also deeply, deeply believe in is, you know, we got hurt within community, you know, Every family is a community, so to speak. And therefore we also heal best in community. Because trauma has a lot to do with basically uh, hiding in isolation, you know, withdrawing to our trauma island because then this is the only place where we can feel safe. But then opening up and allowing people to see you in the unedited version, you know, in the areas where you struggle, can something, it's so healing. You know, because then what you also do is you heal yourself and at the same time you give people something like a permission slip to do the same. Mm-hmm. And also people tell you, my God, you know, I shared things about myself. I haven't even told my husband of 20 years. You know, it 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 means, you know, there there is such a trust developed in during that retreat that people can really come out of the hiding, you know, and we say in therapy, we yeah, are sick as our secrets. <laughs> you know because means you know something is held in shame in unworthiness mm. in embarrassment or in anger you know and you know when we keep pushing it into our unconscious mind it just affects our life from that place and what you know the wound is where the light comes in says Rumi. you know mm. russian poet
1: no, the shadow work, no, that we that we did also during the retreat, exactly. yeah. and that was really also that what I said at the beginning. Because I always like after all the work I had already done, I still always had the feeling there's a part of me is still kind of dead. It's not alive. It's not flowing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, and when we did all the work, and after the retreat, I continued um, doing all the tools that you that you gave to us. I continued using them. I still use. Some of them today, um, it really helped to yeah, kind of to bring more light into everything, much more light. And when they're, and I mean the shadow is always important. Um, we always need some shadow <laughs> because if there's no shadow, there's no light. But kind of to yeah, to make it lighter and uh, to bring yeah, uh, to to make it flow. That's um, that's uh, was uh, was really good. So, I mean, you already shared some people that you that you um that were your teachers, but is there maybe one teacher that you would say had that you would say was one of the most important teachers um on your journey? And what did you learn from that teacher?
0: Um, I can't actually single it out into mm. one uh, yes teacher because i you know i was fortunate enough to work with amazing therapists you know mm. but, uh, you know as i said um you know, Arthur Yanov, who was the founder of Primal Therapy, is the first one who allowed people to express emotions during his work. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It, has, it had a big, big impact, you know, on psychology during the 70s and 80s. So the work is still rooted in a way, you know, in that work. And then, of course, uh, being around uh, Osho, teaching, you know, how to meditate, Hmm. with a life a meditative life and then you know who had a major a, a big game changer was John Prater mm-hmm. he is not alive anymore you know he basically during the 90s I then went to the US and studied with him and he basically uh was the big um person who brought the whole inner child world into therapy yeah so that also was huge for me the impact it had on me yeah that there's always a wounded child in us and an adult self yeah and um, and then of course last 15 years uh, the trauma work big change so you know i i must say As I said, I cannot basically single out one person. Mm. All those um, teachers and all those uh, teachings had been an immense uh, influence in my work. But then also at the same time, you know, meditating since 35 years, you know, keep working on myself. Everything, you know, what I offer in my retreats, I have done on myself 20 times you know, mm. it's not a single structure, would I, which I would not have done on myself, too. And I think that's so important, yeah, mm. to keep educating yourself. I think as a teacher, you have to do that, you know. You
1: have to do your work, the work yourself
0: first. Yeah. You, know? yeah, you know, and I can truly say about myself, I'm walking my talk. You know, mm. I have, in a way, you could say, dedicated my whole mm. life for personal development, so to mm. speak. You know, that's my first passion in life. Okay.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yes, I mean, you have, a, like, you work with that for 35 years. So, of course, it makes sense, now that um, many teachers crossed your way that had a huge influence. So, also, your your work evolved with with the decades.
0: Yes. And, um, yeah. Yes. Wow. That was so at nice. At the bottom, you know, at the bottom, the biggest message is always, you know, love, loving yourself. Mm. So, you know, mm. that's the biggest teacher in
1: life yeah yeah that's um this was really something that i understood in depth after the retreat like before yeah you hear that all the time in yoga lessons you know love uh, love yourself first like all this talk you know about like like it would be something super easy no like um but sometimes it's just um yeah you have to process first some of the stuff. And then, yeah, you, you really get much more soft with yourself, compassionate with yourself, respecting yourself. And then like all of that also helps then to love another person um, the way they are. Yeah. Not um, And yeah. And one thing that I also wanted to point out is um, this, Like when you, when you also start your, to, to heal your childhood traumas, like this neediness that many of us have, yeah, needing love, needing attention, needing money, needing status. These are all things that, um, yeah, also improve because you, you kind of, um, all the needs that you had and that were not fulfilled when you were young. Um, That you then want, of course, to to fulfill when you are older. Once you do that work, it's also this neediness. um, Just um, like was my experience in my case, like um, I was not needing to do certain things in order to get certain things out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, because I uh, yeah it was just like the cup was filled up so it didn't have like I didn't need to to look on the outside anymore to to fill it up yeah
0: yeah yes that's a big freedom you know as we all seem to walk around with please love me that's the Mm -hmm. thing you know we all seem to have deep down there you know and part of the healing journey is you know from that adult place to find healthy situations where you can fulfill your needs in a good way and in a mm. safe way. Right. But mm. it seems like we all have a needy part in us and often, you know, mm. judging ourselves for it. We feel ashamed about it. But again, I think if we are, Upfront with it, you know, that we have that we are needy at times, you know, we can deal with it. I find it much more difficult. People who try to hide their need. This is sometimes unbearable to be around, you know. <laughs> you feel like all the time they want something, want something, but they're not clear about and put it out, you know. Then I rather mm-hmm. have people who just put it on the table and then we can deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This another you know, being honest, you no, know, this yeah. uh, being honest and authentic and this is something, yeah. I mean, in the culture we are in, it is not something that is often done. No, right. and um, but yeah, this was also the experience during the retreat and also afterwards. Then when you are like authentic raw, you just uh, put it on the table. It really connects you so deeply with other people, exactly. so deeply. And right. when I was younger, I had really the conviction oh, my God, if I would say that, if I would put that out there, people just wouldn't wouldn't like me. They would say,
0: oh, my God, what's going on with her, you know? Yes. But it's really the opposite. Yeah. You basically open up to your own humanity and there. Mm. This is what happens. Right? Mm. And the truth is, you know, at the bottom, people love each other. You know, mm. this is almost amazing thing, you know, during the retreats. Once we kind of let go of all our defense mechanism, you know, being so protective about ourselves and we open up and connect with people, then everybody becomes beautiful, you know, and people love each other. Mm. That's, at the end of the day, this is where it goes to. You know, it's not true that people hate each other. You don't want to kill each other. Mm. You know, this is all trauma. Mm. In a healed human being, you know, we love each other. Mm. Yeah, we don't want to separate from other people no, anymore. No, no. Mm. we are not built for that to exist in a vacuum. Mm. Mm. No. We need each other. We need each other. Also, that's what yes. I would say. Yes, we can't do it alone. <laughs> yes, now community is uh, community is
1: uh, really so so important. So, so, so important.
0: I mean, we could talk hours about this, right? This is such a fantastic (laughs) subject and we both are passionate about it. So, but we have to uh, consider the timing. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. So we, uh, yeah, we are at the end of our session. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Puter, for your time today. And I hope uh, many of our listeners will better understand yeah, what are childhood traumas? How can you process them? What's a the journey that you need to take um, if you if you want to yeah to you to heal them, to process them? And um, I will also in the show notes I will put uh, Pucha's website. Um, I also ask you Pucha to send me uh, your next upcoming retreat, mm-hmm. so I will put the information in the show notes. And then don't hesitate yeah to get in touch with Pucha. And, um, to, um, yeah, if you, if you feel like, yeah, I want to take a look at that work, um, you just get in touch with her. Yeah. So thank you so much, Buter.
0: Thank you. Thank you. That was really good to talk to you. As I said, I could speak for hours. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but we,
1: <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe we'll have one day, a second a second uh,
0: show something more specific let's Let's see
1: (laughs) okay bye bye Pooja thank you so much uh, thank
0: you you. thanks for joining in today to learn more about the Thrive Podcast or to get involved in Karina's growing community and online courses visit karinagrueling.com remain committed to intentional choices that help you grow and thrive in your body and life because you're worth it